Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. North. They're going to set up the screen with Dalvin Cook and let him chew up the yards. Dalvin oh! Cook! There he goes! Dalvin Cook Uh-oh. is going to be caught up with blockers inside Touchdown! the five. Touchdown! 64 yards! Magic in Minneapolis! Greg Joseph for the NFC North. And the kick... It's good. It's good. It's a winner at U.S. Bank Stadium. And the Vikings are kings in the north once again. Greg Joseph, as cold as the weather in Minnesota. Today on the Zabecast, who would have thought that an NFL record comeback like that would have been just the third most gobsmacking thing to happen all weekend? plus the boneheaded play of the century by Jacoby Myers, the incredible World Cup final, and Andres Cantor's heartfelt call. All that plus, could it be, the end of Brady. Your 30-minute dose of uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! Va Montiel! Montiel! Go! 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 Argentina campeón! Argentina campeón del mundo! Argentina campeón del mundo! Argentina campeón del mundo! Argentina campeón del mundo! Argentina! And there was the unbelievable, beautiful call of one 
Andres Cantor on Telemundo as the World Cup comes to an incredible finish. Even for those of us who are once in the door every four years for soccer and then right back out again, even we appreciated that final. Kind of disappointing it went to penalty kicks, but well, that's going to be a separate discussion. Wow, wow, wow. What a weekend, everybody. I am coming to you live just hours before midnight. Actually, less than an, uh, less than two hours before midnight. I-, I waited all weekend to record this podcast because I said, you know, something may happen late. I can't. And then, you know, everything goes down uh, in the NFL, and I'm busy digging up stuff and box scores and highlights, and I'm pulling sound. And then uh, all of a sudden, the Sunday night game has begun, and it's, an, it's a hell of a game. And then it's coming down the stretch, and I'm like, holy shit. It looks like the commanders are going to drive right down, score a touchdown, two-point conversion, tie the game at 20, then go to, go to overtime, and then finish tied again, 20 to 20. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to happen. If this happens, then we are most definitely living in a simulation. Although some would say we already are. Uh, what, 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 what a weekend. Are you not entertained? I am. I am utterly and thoroughly entertained. If you did not like this sports weekend, God help you, because it was glorious. Let's start with the World Cup and get it out of the way. And I don't want it to, you know, oh my God, you began a Monday with the World Yes, once every four years, World Cup. It was a hell of a game, or match, as they call it. And both sides, they don't say teams, left it all out on the pitch, not on the field. And it had so many incredible plays and moments and come. I mean, 2 nothing is like 33 to nothing in tackle football. It basically is. And Argentina was on their way to screwing the pooch. There were stories they were saying about how they were laborers from Argentina who had spent their life savings just to come be at this match in Qatar. And I'm like, oh, shit. First of all, even if they win, that's a waste of your money. But secondly, what do they lose? Can you imagine? After a 2 nothing lead evaporates in a blink of an eye. A penalty kick by Mbappe. Great fucking name, great fucking player, this guy. They say he's the next Pele. I am not going to doubt them. Not just a magnificent athletic specimen, but also a just a dynamic face. The face on Kylian Mbappe is something else to behold. The goal that tied it at two was the essence of soccer or football at the highest level and was so artistic and electric that it had me, while I'm watching, jumping out of my seat on the couch going, no! Bam! Just a strike of lightning like that. And the way his body 
twisted and he waited and then swung his leg and he leaned and went down on one knee and just the whole thing. See, that highlight, well, it won't be made into posters now because France lost. They choked in penalty kicks. But that's the kind of thing that little boys and little girls, but, you know, little boys that dream of playing for their national team, runs through their head over and over and over again. They dream the biggest dreams, sort of like Messi, who completes now the journey to get out of Diego Maradona's shadow, which is unfortunate because Messi's such an incredible player. Most say the GOAT. I don't have a firm opinion on that. I'll just go with what they're saying, obviously. That it's unfair that just because he did not win a World Cup, that they would judge him as, well, you know, he's still not Maradona. You know, Maradona cheated to win that World Cup in 86 with the hand of God goal. For those that don't know, look it up, Google it. Maradona with a header that was helped by a fist that was tightly up against the side of his head. And after the game was asked, was that a handball? And he's like, that goal, half of that goal was made by my own brilliance, the other half by the hand of God. (laughs) Thus it became the hand of God goal. But Messi completes the journey, the ultimate story, the character arc of athletes that are worshipped globally by winning the World Cup in incredible fashion, scoring the go-ahead goal to make it 3-2 in extras, as they say, and adding a penalty kick earlier, making his PK in the PKs portion of it as well. That's not counted as a goal. And um, yeah, what a game. (laughs) What a game. The only thing you can say is a downer is the fact that it went to penalty kicks. So let's talk about that for a second. I said on Twitter, you know, as a once in the church every four years, hi, I hear it's Easter. I'm here to worship. Oh, welcome in. Here's a, you know, here's a hymn book, you know, just make yourself at home. We hope you come back and, uh, you know, worship with us in the future. Nah, I'll be back next Easter. Nah, I'll be back next World Cup. I'm persuadable on a lot of things that are kind of dumbish to those of us who are regular American sports fans. Just the dumb tackle football, duh, gringos. I'm persuadable. I'll listen. The one thing I'm not persuadable on, though, is the fact that there's no golden goal, that there is no sudden death overtime goal that wins it. That's it. That's it. Good night. See you later. Because, you know, the goal scored by Messi in extras should have been it. Should have been the golden goal that lived forever as the game winner, as the cup winner, as the that's it, turn out the lights, we're done. Argentina, your World Cup champs. I said that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, it's so hard to not get draws in soccer that when you go to extra time and then you get the game unknotted, untied, don't allow it to get tied up again. Dumb. Well, people then quickly informed me, you know, Zabe, they tried the golden goal thing for a while, and uh, turns out the teams actually played like timid little pussies in overtime, and therefore it ended up in more penalty kicks because they were actually playing for PKs not to win the game in regulation because they were worried about getting too aggressive and giving up the golden goal to then lose. To which I say, okay, fine. So 
here's what you do. You don't have penalty kicks. You say, it's overtime. We'll play 15 minutes, pause, 15 minutes, pause, 15 minutes, pause, 15 minutes, until you're all dead. How about that? Just like in hockey. Well, you know, guys just get worn out. Then the soccer becomes very uninspiring. People can't run. And I'm like, all right. How about you allow unlimited substitutions in extras? Because remember, the rules can be anything you want the rules to be. Make them good. Make them entertaining. Make them make sense in the modern age. If the rules of your sport are not evolving with the age, change them. It's what baseball's doing this year. And I think it's going to be fantastic, to be honest. So anyway, that's the only bone to pick. Um, You know, otherwise, hell of a World Cup. Incredible. Uh, Their goalie for Argentino, Emiliano Martinez, who came up with a clutch save in the PK portion, plus they missed one, did France. Whoops. Also made a kick save. And a beauty, as they say in regulation, that was incredible. So there you go. Um, Argentina lost it in 2014 to Germany, and they redeemed themselves with this one there. Oh, and then uh, you you had uh, Martinez, the goalie, making a pseudo-obscene gesture with the Golden Glove Award for the best goalkeeper of the tournament by holding it like a penis and then making a shocked face. There's a photo of one of the... Uh, uh, the emirs or prince, not the emir, but one of the princes, one of the um, muckety, high muckety mucks of Qatar there on stage with the traditional garb looking on like, oh, what are you doing with that exactly? All right. Are we going to get to the football anytime soon? You know, the real tech. Okay, okay, yes. Yes. I'm going to get to the real football. Are you not entertained? Not entertained? Are you not All right, let's start on Saturday, shall we? With Kirk Cousins and the comeback of all comebacks for for the ages. It's hard to believe that that game would be probably, I don't know, just one of a handful of things that made you jump out of your chair to go, I cannot believe I just saw that happen. Of course, the Jacoby Myers blunder is probably number one, certainly number one. We're going to talk about Brady possibly being the end of Brady, but Minnesota comes back from 33-0 down to beat the Jeff Saturday-led Colts. Um, And Jeff Saturday should resign. I'm not kidding. This is not a hot take. He should literally say, listen, I'm I'm very sorry. I'm resigning in shame. We have another assistant who could do the job. Clearly, I'm not the man fit for this job. That's what they would do. And like, if he was a CEO of a company in Japan, I try to look up the term for this. I couldn't find it. Maybe somebody knows it. Send me an email. In Japan, their CEOs, like their business culture, has such a culture of honor that when shit happens, that's not even their fault. You know, like uh, somebody working on the, the the manufacturing line at a at a plant has their arms swallowed up by a machine and dismembered. Uh, CEO sometimes like, I resign in shame. <laughs> well, what, what, it's not your fault. Yeah, but the buck stops with me, and this was horrible, so I'm resigning. Jeff Saturday should resign in shame. He should apologize because he has sucked. Not just being the guy that gives up a 33-point lead, 
but also fucking up timeouts at the end of the game in one of the previous losses. I mean, he's been a disaster. Like, you can't hire him now. So if you can't hire him now, you might as well give somebody else the job for the final three weeks just to see how they do. See two interim coaches in one year. Has that ever been done before? Good question. Hold that thought. So it's also ironic and funny and delicious that Jeff Saturday coughs up the largest lead in NFL history and it erases the previous largest lead in NFL history coughed up That was engineered the comeback by one Frank Reich of the Buffalo Bills against the Oilers in the playoffs. Frank Reich, the very same man who had been fired by pill-popping, guitar-playing, cigarette-butt-sucking Jim Ursay. And that's rich. That it's Saturday, the one that coughs it up for the guy in Reich. You know, (laughs) Reich wasn't allowed to play Matt Ryan. They're like, nah, he sucks. He's old. He's hurt. Go with this other guy. I've already forgotten his name. He sucked even worse. Then as soon as Saturday gets in, they're like, okay, you can have Matt Ryan back. Of course, Matt Ryan has now presided over any number of huge leads blown, including the most famous one being in the Super Bowl. But Cousins now not only owns this 33 to nothing comeback, and yeah, it was more Dalvin Cook than it was Cousins per se, but Kirk also has the 24-0 comeback against the Buccaneers at home, which spawned the infamous, you like that? You like that? Comments. Yes, that was, for those who don't know, Kirk's comments came after he engineered a comeback from 24-0 down to the Buccaneers at home for the Washington Redskins. He also owns the win over the Saints in overtime at their place on a touchdown drive. And a touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph. That might have been OPI, but I digress. He owns the win over the Bills this year, which was one of the earlier, more gobsmacking games of the season. But there's just going to be more and more as the season comes down to a finish here. And so, yeah, he doesn't suck. (laughs) And he's putting up huge numbers. It's just that Kirk Cousins is a nerd. He's a nerd. He's a family man. He's a god squatter. But he doesn't push it in anyone's face, but he's a, he's, a, he's a humble, quiet, nerdy, religious, grinding, overachiever who's really good. He's just not great. He has no discernible superpower. Arm is average to barely plus. Mobility is the same. You know, accuracy is very accurate, but he A lot of his accuracy is because he's just making the right reads all the time. The Kirk jerks, I don't know what they're going to say now. They'll make up something else, but holy shit. I know, his record in primetime sucks. He's 2-10 on Monday Night Football, 3-4 on Thursdays, 4-4 on Sundays, but now he's 2-0 on Saturdays. Amazing. Oh, by the way, he also beat the Eagles in Philly in 2015 to clinch a playoff spot for the Redskins. He went 31-46 in that game, 365 yards, four touchdowns, no INTs. But I know, Kirk Cousins sucks. So the Vikings are the kings of the north, and um, yeah. Got an email from somebody. I want to uh, bring it up here now regarding this. I know, by the way, I texted Charge during the game. Charge is way less of a baby than Jay. Because I texted Charge saying the wheels have come off. 
Then I texted, the bottom has fallen out. Then I texted uh, a gif of that iconic train crashing into a river on a collapsing bridge that was in black and white, which was, I think, one of the most expensive pieces of Hollywood footage by second in the history of Hollywood for many, 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 many years because it was like from 1910. And they had to actually send a train into a river gorge. And Charge did not cut me off. Like when it got to, and this was all on the way to 33 to nothing. It wasn't even at 33 to nothing. When it got to 33 to nothing, I then texted Charge back. I go, bro, I'm, I'm actually sorry. This is really bad. I'm like, I feel like a dick now. And Charge responded saying, don't worry about it. I'm numb to it at this point. I then promptly took a fucking nap. That's right. Because I had traveled on Saturday, flew into Milwaukee, was going out that night, and I'm like, it's 33 nothing. Fucking nap time. Let's go. Woke up from the nap, looked at my phone, saw 36-36, and said, you're shitting me. But credit to Charch, who we'll talk to you later on in the week here on the Zabecast. He was more than a good sport. The Ravens suck. The Browns beat them 13-3 to in a game I didn't watch because I was out on a, on a boat on a Santa Cruz uh, on Lake Geneva. But I saw a stat. I absolutely couldn't believe it. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is the email I was going to bring up to you about the Vikings. Connor Hammond writes as follows. Zabe, I feel like you need some advice on being a new Packer fan. These two things should never, ever occur as a Packer fan. This is coming from a fan in his 40s from the sharp Mikowski era of Packerdom. One, never, ever acknowledge the entertainment value of the Minnesota Vikings. This is the equivalent of you waxing poetically about the Eagles as a Skins fan. It's nauseating, and since they are the true rival of Green Bay, it is sacrilege. Yes, the Bears are technically the true rival, says Connor, but they've been irrelevant for years now, so they aren't the rivals anymore. Secondly, Charge, having charge, having a spokesape from the shit state of Minnesota on weekly on your podcast makes it an unbearable listen. He is the enemy. Don't give him a platform. Imagine having Bob Papa on for a weekly hit when you were on in Washington. Heads would roll. He says, I know that you as a Washington football fan have called the Eagles fans savages. That's the mindset you need to take approaching the Vikings. If not, you may as well acknowledge that your fandom is because of the radio gig and to appease your listeners, which I suspect is true. Hashtag more Solly. Sincerely, Connor. Connor. My fandom of the Packers is genuine. My fandom of the Packers is not long-rooted in having grown up in Wisconsin or been a hardcore fan for 40 years. It's a new, newly-rooted fandom, and it's a fandom that is going to ebb and flow to the tides of being a 54-year-old fucking adult. That's how it's going to roll. I don't have time to pretend to have fake hatred for teams just because of their colors. I joke about Philly fans being savages, even though one of my best friends and longtime colleagues, Scott Lynn, Eagles fan. Also, I've got an Eagle fan 
uh, friend in the business and Harry Mays who lives up there. And I've got family who live up there. And I know other Eagle fans up there who are good dudes. They're not all savages, just the bulk of them. And I, you know, as a Redskin fan, I did hate them for the body bag game and, and much more. But what am I supposed to do? Tell Charge I can't have you on the podcast because you're a Viking fan? Really? Like, was this a real email? Do you really want me to do that? So, yeah. I'm going to still have Charge on. And no, I don't hate the Vikings. I can laugh and mock at the fact that they sprinkle fake cornflake snow from the rafters of their beautiful indoor terrarium of a stadium, which it is beautiful, by the way, while hyping up the fact, skull, stolen chant, and the fact that they don't play outdoors anymore, but all their pregame montage footage and digital assets are of when they used to play outside, and it was insanely cold. I can mock that, and I can give charge shit when they choke. And they're probably going to choke again in the playoffs. Because remember, even though they came back from 33-0 down, they were down 33-0 at home to the fucking Colts. Anyway, thank you, Connor. I appreciate the feedback. But I'm 54 years old. I have uh, daughters. I have a mortgage. I have a wife. I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be able to gin up the kind of fake-ass hatred that you want me to gin up as part of being a, quote, True Packer fan. Okay. Browns. Browns and the Ravens. I saw a stat. Couldn't believe the stat. Had to look it up. It's actually true. I should probably play stat of the day, but it's late. I'm in my apartment here. I don't want to wake up the neighbors. The Ravens apparently have not had a wide receiver touchdown since checks notes again, just to be sure. Week Three of the NFL's. What? How is that even possible? <laughs> the The Ravens have not had a wide receiver touchdown since week three. Now, I know they were playing with um, Tyler Huntley, not to be confused with Brett Hundley. Tyler Huntley is okay-ish. It's a backup, kind of. But not really that good. Uh, Brett Hundley sucks. They need Lamar Jackson back, but even when they get him back, boy, they have not even come close to replacing Hollywood Brown, who they thought, eh, it's okay as a home run threat, but eh, we can we can figure out a way to replace him. They haven't yet, that's for sure. They lose to the Browns 13-3, to and they're still going to make the playoffs almost certainly, and they look like an absolute team nobody will be scared about whatsoever come the postseason. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then the Bills beat the Miami Dolphins uh, in the snow, in the late snow up there in Buffalo. They don't cover. I took the fish plus the seven. That was one of my three picks. I took the fish plus the seven. I took, hold on a second. I got these written down for once. I think I went two and one. Uh, Mr. X might have gone over. Let's see where he's at here. Okay. My three picks were Dallas minus four. Fuck. We'll get to them in a second. Forgot about that. Took the fish plus seven. Oh, and the Broncos minus three against the Cardinals. Winner, winner. Two and one. My Broncos were the lock pick. It didn't quite go the way I said it would, but they still covered the three. Uh, Mr. X took the Ravens plus three. Eh. Falcons plus four and a half. Eh. Wait, was that an eh on the Falcons? I'm getting confused here for a second. Uh, No, that's a winner. 21-18, the final there. Falcons plus four and a half. And the Colts plus four and a half, which was also a winner. So Mr. X, two and one. I was two and one. Uh, That'll be the Friday edition. There will be a Friday edition. One last Friday football edition of the Zabecast for you subscribers right before Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, The Dolphins lose, but they played, I thought, very well. They were up eight with about nine minutes to go. And then, of course, Josh Allen started doing Josh Allen things. He was, again, great. Four touchdowns, passing, 304 yards. He had 77 yards rushing and 44 for a long carry in that game. They run him a lot. They run him on design plays. He, They must think he's unbreakable. He's a big boy. And the Bills are really good. They're 11-3. and three. But I heard someone on the radio talking about, well, how good are they, you know? Should they have beaten the Dolphins by more? I'm like, they're 11-3. and three. The Bills are really good. They don't look offensively as humming as they did against the Chiefs in the, champion, in the playoff game, not even championship game last year, but the semi. But they could get there before it's all said and done. I know this, though. The Bills aren't shit if they don't run Josh Allen a significant amount. And that's something that you wonder, how long can that continue for? Raheem Mostert had a huge day for the Dolphins. 17 carries for a buck 36. There was some snow late. Uh, there were snowballs being thrown. I saw a number of people bitching about, well, classy fans, my ass. You know, stop praising the game day experience there. These assholes are throwing snowballs and getting warned by the PA guy like, hey, you know, this could result in a penalty if you don't pipe down. My feeling on this is simple. This is a fan base that once threw a live dildo 
onto the field, there's going to be snowballs. There's going to be a couple. You can't stop everybody. So, you know, and who knows, they might have been Dolphin fans. Doubtful, but still. That brings us to Sunday and the most bonehead play ever? Question mark? Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Oh, <laughs> it's picked off. Oh, oh no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. <laughs> that play is going to go down as one of the craziest endings to an NFL game ever. I said initially the top three were number one, immaculate reception, Steelers versus Oilers, playoffs, 1976, 78. Number two was the fail Mary, Seahawks, Packers, with the replacement refs signaling two different things in the end zone on a crazy dual possession jump ball type situation. And the third craziest finish was that. Jacoby Myers deciding, hey, watch this. I'm going to be a hero here. Situational awareness. The game is tied. You're not trailing. The game is tied. You don't throw it 30 yards back towards your own end zone on a live ball with defenders swarming all around. Somebody joked on Twitter, well, to be fair, it, you know, if Mac Jones had caught that, he only had to go 60 yards for the touchdown. <laughs> Mac Jones, who got pushed over in the saddest looking way possible. People are saying, uh, I saw somebody say, oh, somebody's got to make a gif of this, uh, or gif or a gif, I forget which it is. I said, you got to do the old treatment of uh, uh, bag raiders with shooting stars. Do, 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 <laughs> where he just gets pushed into outer space. He got toppled like an old lady being knocked over by Costanza in the Play Now Industries episode where he's like, fire, fire. He's like pushing people to get out of the building. <laughs> I mean, that just looks pathetic. Uh, and by the way, Mac Jones couldn't have sucked more in the game. 13 for 31. 112 yards passing. If it weren't for Ramondre Stevenson carrying the ball 19 times for 172 yards, they wouldn't have even been in this game. Raiders, of course, led big early, 17-3, to then coughed it all up, and then the Patriots are like, all right, fuck it, watch this. A late touchdown to Keelan Cole for the Raiders looked, well, no, it didn't look like he was out of bounds. He was out of bounds. But... Replay being replay, gets it right most of the time, maybe. They go, well, there's no definitive proof, no angle that shows for sure that he was out of bounds. Look at his foot the fo- on the high end zone angle, out of bounds. Somebody said, well, where's the pylon cam? Pylon cam, pylon cam, does whatever a pylon cam can. They didn't have the pylon cams. You know why? It was a generic 4 o'clock. Eastern time, afternoon Sunday game, and they don't put pylon cams except for the big primetime games like the Sunday Nighters 
and the Monday Nighters. And this is why the league, which is hurtling towards being a $25 billion enterprise annually, sometimes can be the cheapest mofos ever by not saying, hey, to help our officials, we're ordering a whole set of pylon cams for every team in the league. All 32 of you, guess what you're getting for Christmas? Pylon cam. What are we getting? Pylon cam. We're all getting pylon cams. And we're going to hook them up. We're going to train you guys how to use them. We're going to make sure the referees have a, a ability to look at them. Then we'll have a much better fucking look. It's unbelievable. So talk about all the luck in the world. The Raiders totally got hooked, uh, hooked up there with uh, Lady Luck. Um, Darren Waller was back. That's good for the Raiders. Uh, they improved to 6-8, and eight, and the Patriots are now 7-7, seven and seven, and they are in dire trouble when it comes to the postseason. The Cowboys choked, losing to the Jaguars in overtime. Trevor Lawrence becoming that dude, isn't he? Four touchdowns, 318 yards. He did a fumble late on a scramble that almost cost him the game, but then he got the ball back and got him in position for a game-tying field goal. Then in overtime, <laughs> Noah Brown for the Cowboys pff, just bounces right off his hands into Sean Jenkins, who then says, yoink, I'll take that for a touchdown. Cowboys led 21-7. to Somebody tweeted, Urban Meyer should give every penny he took from the Jaguars back because they're a much better outfit under a professional head coach in Doug Peterson. I couldn't agree more. The Chargers beat the Titans 17-14. to Chargers are now 7-7. Seven and seven. Their playoff odds took a big jump up. The Titans... Meanwhile, fall, uh, and I think there's eight and six. I might have wrote this down incorrectly, if you don't mind, because mistakes are made, and my note-taking is not the best. Standings, AFC, checking. Tennessee is seven and seven. Yes, the Chargers are eight and six. I got that transposed. Uh, Tennessee's seven and seven, and all of a sudden, the Jaguars are in their rear view, front and center. And the uh, Chargers are 8-6. and six. Herbert, uh, 313 yards passing, but no touchdowns. Two picks in this game. Cameron Dicker. Dicker the kicker. Once again with the money field goal with four seconds left to win it. Chargers 17, Titans 14. The Saints beat the Falcons. Of course. The Saints are now 5-9. and nine. The Falcons are now 5-9. and nine. And even though the, Patri- or the uh, Buccaneers lost to the Bengals, more on that in a second... Uh, the Saints and the Falcons are still very much alive to win the division. We are hurtling towards a possible 6-11 and 11 a NFC South winner. I think that's possible. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Desmond Ritter making his first start. Uh, the kid out of Cincinnati, 13-26. Ufa, 97 yards. Uh, but he made a great throw late to set up uh, possibly a game-tying field goal, but Drake London fumbled, and that was pretty much that. The Chiefs in overtime beat the Texans 30-24. to Hey, give it up to Lovey's Texans for once again being a big spread covering machine. If you ordered that load of lumber, guess what? You got nowhere to put it because the Texans covered again. Uh, the Chiefs moved to 11-3. They win the division for the seventh straight time. That's the third longest streak of winning a division in NFL history. The Patriots, of course, number one with 11 straight. The Rams won their division back in the day 
seven straight as well from 73 to 79. The Chiefs have now done it from 15 to 22. Uh, Harrison Butker did miss a 51-yarder that could have won it in regulation, but uh, they get it done in overtime after William Gay recovers a fumble by burrowing under the pile and stealing it from between the legs of a Texan. This is the second straight week this guy, Gay, has made a hell of a play on defense. And, of course, Jarek McKinnon, the game-winning touchdown run. Walk it off. Chiefs are 11-3. The Texans are 1-12-1. And they're going to draft top of the draft without without Caleb Williams being eligible to come out of USC. Tough break there, huh? Eagles beat the Bears. They were sticky, though. 25-20, to your final, as the Eagles improved to a franchise record 13-1, and or franchise record tying 13-1 and start. The Bears are now 3-11. Jalen Hurts had three rushing touchdowns on 61 yards. Did you know he is now one shy of the quarterback rushing touchdown record in a season to Cam Newton, who had 14 as a rookie with three games to go. I don't care if you call him a system quarterback or not. He's a great fucking football player, Jalen Hurts. Justin Fields had a big rushing day as well, 95 yards running. 1,000 yards, he's at even right now with three games to go. He joins a small list of quarterbacks to rush for 1,000 yards in a season with Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. I did throw two touchdown passes. He's coming along as a passer. They need to get him more weapons. They need to fix the offensive line. But I see why people can get horny about Justin Fields. Dial down the heat on the running and get him some weapons and get him to be a better passer. Eh, You got something there. But uh, the Eagles, uh, they have not clinched the division yet because they could theoretically lose their final three to go 13-4, and four, and the Cowboys, despite their choke, could win their final three to go 13-4, and four, and so the division is still in play. The Lions over the Jets, 20-17, to 17, your final there. Uh, as a fourth-and-one play for the Lions at midfield goes to Brock Wright, tight end Brock Wright. It's a Brock party, everybody. Rumbles, weaves, makes his way into the end zone, and the fighting Dan Campbells have now won six in a row and six of their last seven, or just six in a row. They started one and six. They're now seven and seven, and they are surging. Their POF number went from like 1% a month ago to 39% now. Uh, Zach Wilson, the mill funner, mm, weird day. Bad for the most part, 18 of 35, that's 50%. That sucks. I uh, did throw two touchdowns. Had a pick, though. 300-plus yards, but he had throws of 50, 40, and 33 yards. So he had, like, three big plays and then a lot of shit around it. By the way, uh, Mike White, they tried to get him cleared to play this game. They went to 10 different doctors. Couldn't get him cleared. <laughs> I said one call to Dr. Nick Riviera would have done it. Hello, everybody. Jets play the Jaguars on Thursday night. Both teams are now 7-7. Seven and seven. The Lions' playoff hopes are rising. The Jets' playoff hopes are sinking. But neither one of them, I believe, are over 50% at this point. Uh, the Bengals beat the Bucs 34-23. Is this the end of Brady? Good question. 312 yards passing, but two picks and a fumble, including a pick and a fumble in the most disastrous third quarter 
anyone's seen in a long time. Don't be fooled by the final score being 34-23. This was a straight-up implosion. The Buccaneers were up 17 to nothing, and then the bottom dropped out, starting with a botched punt where they snapped it to the up man. He was not ready for it. It's like, oh, uh, uh. it might have been a fake punt. And from there, the floodgates were open. The Bengals just started coming. I wonder if anybody got in Brady's face and screamed at him, you know, to say, stop fucking turning the ball over, you asshole. You know, for leadership, because that's what Brady does as a leader on this team. Probably not. Joe Burrow, 400 yards. And tell you what, they're triple at a monster. It's not just Jamar Chase. Higgins and Boyd are flat out studs. Brady is now 89 in one lifetime and leading 17 points or more in a game. And he has lost eight games for the first time in his 23-year career. By the way, the entire third quarter has played inside the 40 of the Buccaneers. The entire third quarter played inside the Bucs 40. <laughs> Is it the end of Brady? I don't know. It's getting close. And Denver beat Arizona 24-15, to your final. Uh, both teams are 4-10. and Arizona had to go to QB3 at one point in this game. Trace McSorley, he stinks. Brett Rippon played the whole game for Buffalo or for Denver. He stinks, but had a pretty good game stat-wise. 21-26 for a buck 97, one touchdown, one INT. Latavius Murray for the uh, Broncos went nuts. 24 for a buck 30 and a touchdown. So good day for bathrooms. No touchdowns by Russell Wilson, who did not play, was not cleared by doctors after his concussion. Who knows for the final three weeks of the year. And the Steelers beat the Panthers in the game that had well, not a lot of impact, although the Panthers are technically still in the mix at 5-9. and 24-16, your final there. Steelers are 6-8. and eight. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was your starting quarterback, played the whole game, played okay, not great. Najee Harris was really nice, 86 yards and touchdown. Uh, Carolina had 21 yards rushing. Is that right? 21 yards total. Wow. And then the Commanders lose to the Giants 20-12 to in a game that just finished up about 30 minutes ago. Ron Rivera is going to be super hot pissed. They had a possible game-tying touchdown, although it was going to bring them within two. They had to convert the two-point conversion. But they always do convert those. Teams always convert the two when they score late. When they're down eight and they score, I swear the two-point conversion to make it an even game is like 75%. It just seems that way. All the momentum's on their side. Score a touchdown to pull within two and a penalty. What? Illegal formation. Jahan Dotson, who made a sick catch and is really coming on as a rookie out of Penn State, was apparently lined up too far off the line of scrimmage. This also came in which uh, came in a game in which they had a two-point conversion earlier, wiped off the board because of a illegal pick play that looked like it could have gone either way. Of course, they went to Terry McCauley, the official in-house ref of NBC, and you'll be shocked to find out that Terry McCauley defended the referees as having made the right call, because that's what Terry McCauley does. I remember saying during a Packer-Niner game two years ago, I'm like, what a shocker. McCauley is going to stick up for his guys. Horseshit call no integrity or something like that. And Macaulay found the tweet. I didn't even at the guy. He found it and then <laughs> clapped me on Twitter. Dick. But yeah, 
Uh, the flag was thrown by, and I didn't know this. We're up to three female referees in the NFL now. For those of you who are big fans of equality and letting your little girls dream to be uh, some someday hated NFL referees, uh, the flag was thrown by the newest female referee who has been promoted to the NFL ranks. Let me get her name here. Uh, she is Robin DiLorenzo. And she's a sneaky. I'm just saying, man. I mean, I'm sure she's a great ref. But it doesn't hurt that she looks all right. Look her up. Robin DiLorenzo. She threw the flag on that two-point conversion, and they come back from break, and they look at it, and they're talking to, you know, Terry McCauley. Not once did they mention who threw the flag, because I know they were like, oh, shit, let's not, let's not jump into that potential landmine right there. Anyway, holy shit, it's late. I got to go to bed. It's 11.27 p.m. Central Standard Time, and I got to be up at 5 a.m. to go drive in. And do this great radio show that I love at 97.3 The Game, which I hope you listen to on the iHeart app. Did I give you enough? 45 minutes nonstop. There was highlights in there. I talked World Cup. I talked all the NFL games. I gave you all the nuggets and notes that I stat of the day. That's a good show, people, for free. But thank you for listening and downloading and have yourself a great Monday. It's Christmas week here on the Zavecast, and we're going to have a good, strong one heading into the end of the year. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.